Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. If we could just say that prayer together, it'll be up on the screen there for you. This is Matthew 6, 9. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we're going to focus in on that very last line, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. And we say that word at the end of every prayer, but I'll be honest, I don't really think a whole lot about what it means, but really the ending is super important with a lot of things. In fact, with everything, think about it, writers, authors, architects, composers, teachers, all start something with the end in mind. And probably the most important thing that that we need to think about is our life. Now, we've all had a beginning. We all have a birthday. And, you know, thank goodness we don't remember that. That would be pretty, pretty traumatic if we did. Okay. But we have a middle part, which is where we're at right now. This is where we're all at in the middle. But there will be, shocker, an ending. There will come a time when there will be an Amen at the end. And it is kind of challenging to think about because we hope for the very best. We hope that that ending will be wonderful and good, but it is in question simply because we don't know. We don't know how it's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. And so while we're here in this middle space, it creates tension. It creates tension of the unknowing. Now, I'll kind of describe it this way is, you know, we, we love to watch sports, we love to read books and watch movies because of the tension, because there's a beginning and there's a middle, there's a tension, and it's going to end the event or the movie, and we hope for a good ending, but the fun part is not knowing how it's going to end. Now, I'll be honest with you, I kind of hate that, because I don't like the tension. In fact, My family will tell you, I don't like to watch sporting events of teams that I care about because I get so nervous about the ending. I enjoy watching teams that I don't like because I don't care about the ending. I mean, like if it's my team and they're not doing good and and it's it's like they're down, it's like I'll go outside and pace around, you know, do a little bit of praying, you know, you know, whatever it is, but I don't like it because I just want it to be over with. It's kind of a weird thing. I kind of have the same thing happen with movies as well. It's like, I mean, that's the whole fun of a movie is the, the, the twist, you know, but, but I'm like, I want to figure out how it's going to end. I want to know it's going to have a good ending. I'm kind, of a, I'm kind of a Brady Bunch ending kind of guy. I just want it to all work out, you know? I just want it to be okay. It's going to be done in 30 minutes. We're good. Okay, happy. Let's go home. Let's go to Dairy Queen. You know, I mean, that's what I want, okay? But there are a lot of movies that are not like that for sure. And, and, uh, and, and you know, those movies that have the, the kind of the plot twist where you think it's going one way and it's night. It's like the, it's like the, the M. Night Shyamalan movies. You know, you know the, the, that's like the sixth sense in the village where it's like you think it's going one way and all of a sudden, no. there's a sharp left-hand turn and 
I see dead people. You know, it just all changes. I mean, it's just crazy. Or then you've got the you've got the the kind of the kind of weird, goofy endings that don't make any sense at all. And there's plenty of plenty of shows like that. I remember thirty years ago, I got sucked into watching this. Uh, this kind of uh, soap opera, drama, murder, mystery show. You might have remember it was called Twin Peaks. And it was like a, like a mini series that lasted, was supposed to last a few episodes. And it was all about trying to figure out who killed Laura Palmer. And, it, and there was all these characters in it. And then after every episode, you, you thought, well, it's going to be this person. It's going to be that guy. It's going to be this, this girl or, or whatever. I mean, there were so many people that you thought it was going to be. But then as it got toward the end, it was like you just couldn't figure it out. It was just weird. And it was like, well, is it this guy or that guy? And then they continued it on for another season, which was crazy. And I mean, it's been 30 years. I still don't understand who killed Laura Palmer. I mean, it was just weird. It was just crazy. I don't like those kind of endings. I want it wrapped up. I want it nice and neat. Or, or maybe, maybe the cliffhanger ending like, uh, like Castaway. You know, Tom Hanks is on the desert island with, his, with Wilson, his, his volleyball. And, and the ending where he's got the package he's going to deliver to the girl and he sees her. And he's like, is he going to turn down the road and go meet her? Or is he going to go back? And then it ends and you don't know. It's just crazy. I hate that. Or maybe, maybe like, uh, is it Inception, the movie where it's about all the dreams and the levels of dreams, and he's got the top, and you know that if the top tips over, then it's going to be in its reality, but if the top stays spinning, then it's still a dream, and it ends with the top spinning. I hate that. Tell us how it ends. I want a nice, neat ending, please, somebody. We want resolution, don't we? Okay? We want a good ending. But the tension of the unknown is always present. There in your notes, there's a statement. It says, when we pray, remember we've been talking about praying is, is that acronym of, of pause. We need to stop. We need to take a moment to, or many moments to rejoice in who the Lord is. And then we need to ask, ask him for his kingdom um, to come, his will to be done on earth that is in heaven, and then also ask for our, our daily bread. And then we are to yield. But when we pray, we do so with the understanding that there will be resolution. We say amen after every prayer in hopes that there will be one final glorious amen that resolves everything. That word literally means yes. I agree, so be it. It is a positive statement. It is an uplifting statement that it will be done, so be it. And we can say it with a smile on our, our face, an emphatic way of voicing agreement that God's perfect ending will come to pass. I love the way author and pastor Mark Batterson says it of prayers. He says, prayers are prophecies. They're the best predictors of your spiritual future. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. Think about it. We pray in faith. We pray in hope. We pray in assurance of a good God whose perfect will will be done. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about how do our prayers ultimately resolve. And there in your notes, I want to give you four things that we can be sure of when we pray. Four things that when we say amen, 
It is a statement of agreement and a statement of faith. Now, certainly there are times when we say amen, when it's a question mark, when we don't know. We're going to talk about that. But the first thing in prayer that you can be assured of is this. Number one, we will have peace in the tension. We will have peace in the tension. Now, we all live in the tension right now because we're all living in the middle ground. This is the time to pray. That's why we do pray, because we're in that middle ground. And I know for some of you, that middle ground, in fact, what you're facing right now is pretty not peace-fulfilling or not peace-filling. Maybe there is a sickness, either yourself or a loved one, that is very, very serious, and there is not peace. Maybe... There is a job, a career that you're in that is just not happening the way that you planned out, or maybe the job is just simply not there at all. Or maybe there is a relationship that that you have right now that is crumbling, that is fractured, and is falling apart, and it is anything but peaceful. Maybe you're like this. Maybe you're third and long, down double digits. Time is running out. Well, here's what you need to know if that's where you're at. And I'm gonna go right to the scriptures. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans, or Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, says Jesus to us. And then in Philippians 4, 5 through 7, it says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious, about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the essence of the Christian faith is that God is with us. God is not far away. He's not way off in heaven somewhere sitting on a cloud that he can barely hear you. No, he is with us. He is near. The essence of our faith is relational. It's relationship. Look, it is true. We are passing through dangerous territory right now. While we are on this earth, it is tough. It is serious. It is real. But we can pass through this dangerous territory knowing that our Savior has gone here before and he overcame. And we are not alone. He is with us. You see, you can have unexplainable joy in the most difficult circumstances because he is near. Many years ago, I had a a very close friend. Her name was Consuelo. Consuelo was a believer, one of the most positive, upbeat, faith-filled people I had ever known up to that time. And uh, Consuelo and her family, her sister and her younger brother and her family, one night were at a, a high school basketball game and and her younger brother went down to the restroom during that game and he never came back because he had an aneurysm and he died instantly. I mean, it was the most tragic, horrific thing that just shocked our whole school and, and I even went to church with her at the time. It shocked our church. It was just the most unsettling tragedy that could happen to the most wonderful family that you could ever imagine. And, and certainly they grieved for a time and it was tough as it would be for anyone. But one of the things that was ama- amazing that I noticed about Consuelo is that upbeat, positive attitude, that smile that was always there somehow managed to still be there. And it was amazing to all of us, like she was actually consoling us 
over the grief that we had for her family. And I can even remember teachers saying, this is the most amazing person that we have ever met. And when asked, how do you face this? She would simply say, well, we know that, that for one, he is with the Lord. He's in heaven. And we know that God is with us. So we can, it's hard, but we can handle it. We can go through the most difficult things in peace because we know that God is with us. It's like the old, the, the lyrics to the old hymn say, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds my hand. And he's the one that holds tomorrow for sure. We have peace through tension. Number two in prayer, we have power in weakness. Has anybody in here ever felt weak before? <laughs> Have you ever felt weak from day to day sometimes, right? I want to show you a, a kind of a funny story. When I was a, a freshman in college of a time that I felt really, really weak, pretty, pretty puny actually, is, is me and, and two of my friends, Eric and Robert, we saw a flyer that said that they were going to do a three-on-three basketball tournament. We got excited about that. We kind of started talking. I was like, hey, maybe we should enter the basketball tournament. And I was like, well, hey, I played basketball in fourth grade. And uh, Eric is li- like, like, like to watch basketball on TV. And then Robert was kind of, well, he was a really good hip hop dancer. So we thought, well, that'll translate to basketball. You know, he'll have the moves on the field. We're like, we're going to be a great team. We're going to go far in the intramural tournament. So we got there and we got to the, got to the gym where it was happening. We walked in and I remember the First group that, well, we only faced one group, actually. And that group that we faced, I remember, I was going to say first, but that's kind of a lie. It was only one. We were one and done. But we faced this group, and I remember they were wearing yellow jerseys that they had put on over their, their shirts. And as that buzzer sounded, the only thing I remember was just yellow, just flying, just in front of us. Like, it was like we were in a blender with butter, just churning around us. And I'm like, oh, what is going on here? There's just yellow everywhere. And I, I'm serious. We never even got to the paint. Whenever, the few times we had the ball, we never even got in there. I can remember one time, just kind of off, the, off, off balance, I just kind of threw one up there, hoping it would go in. And it actually did go in. And I think Eric scored one point. But man, we got beat. We got smacked so bad. We got embarrassed so bad. In fact, it was one of those deals where they had... Whoever would, was ahead at a certain time or whoever had the most points would win, well, we never got to the time. I mean, we got to the, they, they got to the most points before we ever got even close to the time, and I was so glad it was over. We were embarrassed. <laughs> and then, to make matters worse, this is the worst shaming of all. You know, they were the jerseys and we were the skins, so we were there without our shirts on, and, and that, was, that was embarrassing all right there. <laughs> it was horrible. I felt so weak. Weak. Well, maybe you, in the story of your life, in the middle space of your life, maybe you feel weak about something. And you're just like, man, I'm just not strong. I don't know how I can face this mountain. Well, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 27 says this, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he shows things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God shows things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And then in the book of Acts, people that were looking at the disciples, it says, they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. 
How many times have you ever felt like an ordinary person with nothing special about you? Boy, I have so many times. But they recognized these men because they had been with Jesus. That was the difference. And then 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Do you feel weak where you're at right now? Well, good. You are the perfect candidate for God's miraculous power to flow through you. In fact, even more so because of that situation. Be encouraged. And not only that, but guess what? We get to be together. There is power when we pray together. Matthew 18, 19 says this, I tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. We can agree there is power with him. There is power with prayer with him. There is power in agreement together. And I should take this opportunity to invite all of you every Monday morning from 6.30 to 7.30 right here as we gather to pray, just start the work week off with prayer. You can come before you go to work, before you go to school, and just spend some time on the carpet before the Lord, agreeing together for prayer. We're going to do it tomorrow morning, so you are, you are welcome to come and join us for some prayer of agreement tomorrow morning. We'll have power and weakness, and then number three in prayer, we will have success in what seems like failure. Have you ever felt like a failure? Have you ever felt like you've been down? And even maybe in moments where you pray, you feel like maybe God is silent, God is not listening. Your prayers are, are just kind of hitting the ceiling and falling back down and it's very discouraging. Have you ever felt like that? Well, I just wanna share with you, about a, about a decade ago, I went through a series of events that I was afraid was gonna mark my life for the rest of my life. And I felt like an utter and complete failure. See, my, my beautiful wife and I, years ago, we started a church from scratch. And uh, it was our dream. And we had it going, and everything seemed really good for a time. But then over time, it started to feel like maybe we were failing. Like things weren't, weren't working out the way we planned. And we began to kind of get it in our head a little bit and get some, some lies from people that we thought cared about us but said some awful things to us. In fact, I even had it said to me one time, you are failing. And that got in me. And that, unfortunately, I shouldn't have let it, but it got in me and it made us think, we need to hand this over to somebody else who can make it not fail anymore. And so we did. And we ran away. And it was really, really hard. I felt like a failure. And then we got hopeful because we, I got another, another opportunity here in Texas, and that's what brought us back to, back to this area. And I was so excited, and it looked really good for a while, but then that ended in failure, and after a very short amount of time, I was actually let go. And it was so painful. It was so awful. And then I got hopeful again because we were beginning to pray and think, well, God, maybe you want us to start a church here. In fact, we even prayed and felt like he was telling us to do that. And I can re even remember one day, I think I was so desperate. I don't recommend doing this kind of prayer, but, but I did this. I was actually driving down the road in Leander, and I was like, God, if you want me to, to plant a church here, would you make the next song on the radio be this song? And I named a song. Now, I, I, think, I think the Lord was saying, boy, that guy's desperate. I'm going to give him something. <laughs> I mean, he needs need some help. And I kid you not, the very next song on the radio was that song that I just spoke. 
I, I, thought, I was like, oh God, yes, we'll do it. We'll plant a church. And we, in fact, we got so excited about that. We even, we even got a website up and going and we got our 501c3 status. And, we, and I even went to a meeting um, with pastors from in the city to kind of share and to try to connect with some other others. And, and, and I met a really cool guy that I had heard about from years past by the name of Ross Parsley. And I remember giving him my card for that church that we were gonna start. And he's like, oh, cool. Well, man, I'll make sure to pray for you. But then not long after that, more disappointment, and that didn't work out. And we wound up stopping and realizing that our hearts were not in a place to do anything like that. We were very, very hurt. We were very, very sad. And I just want to tell you, my prayer time during those years was rough. I can remember sitting on the couch and just praying and saying, God, who am I? What am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? Who are you? Do you have a plan for my life? Is it good? Are you going to put these broken pieces back together? Or is this the way that's going to be forever? And I would say, amen. Kind of like, amen. Because I didn't know. Well, years and years passed. But what I didn't realize is during that time, while it hurt really bad, it was some of the most fruitful groundbreaking time because I was learning to exercise some muscles for greater battles that were to come later. It was almost like, and I got this kind of funny picture. Have you ever seen that movie, The Karate Kid? It was like I was waxing cars. I was wax on, wax off, say this prayer. I see nothing happening. Wax off, paint the fence this way, paint the fence. Okay, God, what are you doing? Nothing, nothing. This is, why am I doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Sand the floor this way. Year after year, after disappointing, after grueling year went by. So you can understand about a year ago, I mean, this was a period of a decade, nearly a decade. When I got the call from Ross, who is now my pastor, he said, hey, Andrew, we're going to plant a church in Liberty Hill. Do you want to be the pastor of it? You can understand why I cried for months because I realized that God heard every single one of those prayers. He hadn't forgotten any of them, even though it seemed like he wasn't hearing anything. He remembered him, and he brought to my, my, my memory that moment in 2014 and said, you're going to plant a church here. It just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was something completely different. Every time we pray, it is heard by God. It is never forgotten. In fact, it brought to light a very peculiar image that is in the book of Revelations, which there are a lot of peculiar images in the book of Revelations, and this is one of them for sure. Revelations 5.8, it says this, and when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held, get this, gold bowls filled with incense. Now, I don't really know too much about gold bowls, Bowls filled with incense. In fact, I don't really even care about bowls or incense. And I mean, my wife loves Bath and Body Works, so I'll just go there because I'm a good husband and I love her. But I have no desire to have incense or bowls or anything like that. But these are really fascinating because you want to know what that incense in those bowls in heaven is actually the prayers of God's people. Think of it your prayers. Everyone you've said is being stored in heaven in a, in a bowl. Probably looks more like a vat, I'm sure. Never to be forgotten. 
Doesn't that help whenever you don't hear the answers? Whenever you don't see what's happening, whenever it does feel like failure, it will be one day a good amen. And then finally, one of the things that we can be sure of in prayer, number four, is that we will have resolution from the chaos. We will have resolution from the chaos. Now, I don't know about you, if you look around the world, it looks pretty chaotic, doesn't it? Maybe if you were to look a little closer at home, maybe it looks very chaotic to you. I don't know what life is like for you right now, but maybe for you it feels like like a, like a beautiful, expensive vase that you have maybe polished and worked on and set it in a prominent place, but something has happened and it has come crashing down and it has fallen on the floor and broken into thousands and thousands of pieces. And you're trying desperately to try to glue it, super glue it, tape it, anything to try to put it back together and you're realizing this is chaos. I can't do this. Or maybe, maybe life for you feels like like you come, came back from a vacation and your home was broken into and ransacked by a thief and everything is in chaos. It's just the worst feeling of, of violation that you could ever possibly imagine in your life looks like that and it's like, this is so chaotic. How do I put this back together? Or maybe for you, life looks like, once looked like a great adventure, like you were a, a rock climber climbing the rock face and it was fun and adventurous and awesome at first, but now something's happened where one of those little, those little anchors has come loose and the, it feels like the rope is starting to, to, to shred and you're like, man, I don't know if I can hang on and you are just barely hanging on for life and you're thinking, this is not what I had planned. Well, I got great news for you. God specializes in creating beauty out of chaos. Isaiah 61.1, this scripture, an Old Testament scripture that would have been known at the time, but Jesus actually shared this scripture as a prophecy about himself fulfilling, and, and he shared it at the start of his ministry, and it's true then, and it was tr- it's true today as to who he is. It says this, Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Now the picture there, they would have known ashes, putting ashes on your head and dressing in sackcloth. That was a way to lament. That was a way to to mourn, to say all has gone wrong. All is not good. But he says, no, it's not gonna be like that. I'm gonna put a crown of beauty on your head, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and destroy places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You see, the Lord specializes in creating beauty out of something that has been destroyed. Well, I don't know where you're at, but no matter where it is, no matter what it looks like, you should have comfort because the Lord is near and he is more than willing 
to bring resolution, to bring a better amen, if you will, to that chaos that it may feel like right now. Guys, no matter what it looks like, you can pray knowing that he is near, that his power is fully available, that he will not fail, and that he will make all things right in his perfect and glorious and most wonderful time. And knowing that, we can truly say as we pray in this middle ground, in this unknown time, we can truly say yes and amen. Now, I don't know exactly how. I don't know exactly when, but there is going to be a day, one day, a trumpet will sound and those golden bowls that hold those prayers are going to be poured out on the earth and there's going to be a great amen that will resound all over heaven and Jesus will return to this earth. And when that happens, the Lord's prayer, which we have been studying, will become the world's prayer and every knee will bow before the Father. Every tongue will confess and hallow his name and the members of every tribe and nation will lay down their crowns declaring the truths of this prayer together and they will say for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Matthew 6.13 says it this way and I love the way that they, the way that says this, you are in charge. You can do what you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Guys, I want you to stand to your feet right now. We're gonna close this service. As we've talked about prayer, we're gonna close it in a moment of prayer of just doing the very things that we have talked about from the very beginning. And we're just gonna pray that this prayer from our hearts and worship and just lift up his name and hallow his name together. And I just want you, as you do it, just whatever it is you may have that is so dear and so close to here, to just begin to lift that up to him. Begin to give that up to him because he can handle it. He can take it. God, our Father, we love you so much. Your name is holy. Your kingdom, we ask for your kingdom to come, your will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven, no matter what we see in our lives right now, God, we give it to you. God, we ask for our, even our daily bread. God, we know that the things that we have need of, you already know them and you have concern. You care for us much more than you do even the birds and that you will care for us. God, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive those that have done us wrong, Lord. We, we just pray that that forgiveness would just reign in our hearts, Lord. And God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the enemy who would like to tear the heart out of everything that you have planned. But he cannot because he is defeated and you are Lord and you are sovereign over all things. And Lord, for yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.